Hello, and it's time for another mildly educational podcast in the area of pharmacy. Today, I thought we'd cover giving medicines by feeding tubes, which sounds a bit boring and obvious if you're pharmacy-minded, but hopefully there's some pearls in there that you find helpful. Unfortunately, today my voice is fairly ropey. I've roped in another member of the team to help out. So the scenario is, you have a patient who has an NG or NJ tube. They can't swallow their tablets, so you need to work out how to give things via the tubes. You've looked in Newt, which is the falling apart book in your dispensary or medicines information department, and in Entral Feeding Tubes, which is on Medicines Complete, or swallowingdifficulties.org, which is independent and free to access, though funded by a manufacturer of liquids which might get your spidey senses twitching a little, and it's not listed. How do you start making decisions on what to do? So, as we bang on about for all questions, it's worth thinking about how you're going to structure your research before you start. This makes it easier to see what you've done and what you've found and helps to make you feel more confident that you've not missed something obvious. So if we're aiming for a structure, we can split the question down into three parts. What might giving via the tube change for the patient? What might giving via the tube change for the operator? And what might giving via the tube change for the tube? This isn't the only way to think about it, but it tends to work quite well. So to start off, what might it change for the patient? So giving by tube could change all sorts of things and because we're really keen on medicines in pharmacy we will be able to think of loads of theoretical problems but it's important to keep a sense of perspective about it. So in reality will these things make a difference? If you have an NG tube it's delivering the drug to the same place swallowing it orally would it's just already dispersed. So when might this make a difference? It's the obvious ones. Crushing modified release products will make them release their active ingredient faster. Crushing enteric coated products may mean that they degrade more in the stomach acid. Because it's crushed, the tablet will enter the liquid bits in the stomach a bit quicker and so be more likely to transit the stomach a bit quicker as well. Also, think about what else you're putting down the tube. Entral feeds are rich in things that can bind up drugs, so things that you might need to take on an empty stomach might be a bit problematic. There's other odd ones, e.g. phenytoin, where you might not predict it. If you have an NJ tube, the product is bypassing the stomach, so you need to think about the above. Plus, is there anything in the product that needs to be broken down by the stomach, or that would be a problem being presented undiluted to the jejunum? For example, high sugar content medicines, or those with a high osmolality, are alleged to cause a laxative effect in patients if given NJ. Depending on the tube placement, you might bypass a bit of the site of absorption, leading to lower levels, possibly. So now we've got our theoretical concerns, but when does this matter? To go from first principles, think about the therapeutic window of the medicine. If it was a bit off, would it make a difference? Both for efficacy, if absorption goes down, and side effects, if absorption goes up. Remember that most medicines are 5mg, 10mg, 50mg doses, not because they're the perfect doses for every patient, but because they're nice round numbers that makes the maths easy for manufacturing. So for most things, and most patients, a bit of a wobble, if there's a wobble at all, won't make a clinical difference. But if you suspect it might make a difference, can you monitor for the things that might happen? If they did happen, would it be a major problem for the patient? You might be a bit more cautious with an anticoagulant where the first sign might be major bleeding or a clot compared to a tablet for headaches where the first sign is, well, a headache. So moving on, what might it mean for the operator? For this, you're starting to think about the practicalities. Crushing tablets isn't a fun thing to do for a patient at home, but neither is carting around a trolley full of liquid medicines. Think about, 
Are any of the medicines potentially harmful to the operator? Cytotoxic? Hormonal? Things they might be allergic to? If they are, you'll need to work out how to reduce the risk to the operator. Give liquids or disperse in a closed system, which we'll cover later. Also, how much time is your recommendation going to take? Are they actually going to do this? This is one of the common failings of pharmacy, and that we provide advice that's perfect for the medicine, but less than ideal for the actual patient, meaning they may well politely ignore us and do something else instead. So for example, if we recommend crushing a tablet, mixing with water, administering, giving rinsings, flushing the tube, and then starting on the next one, they'll spend all day administering medicines. You'll need to balance best pharmaceutical practice with practicalities. Linked to this is whether to crush or disperse. Pharmaceutically, it's usually better to disperse than crush as it reduces the exposure of the operator to the active ingredient. You can normally take the plunger about out of an enteral syringe, put the tablet in, put the plunger back and then draw up water, i.e. a closed system. However, even if it only takes five minutes to disperse, on a busy ward, nurses are likely to draw them all up and leave them on the side to disperse rather than watch them. Is this better than crushing what you can and only dispersing those which are unsafe to crush? It's a judgment call. What's right on the ward might not be right at home, and vice versa. And finally, what might it mean for the tube? The main risk to the tube is blocking it. This is very easy to do because tubes are very narrow. We like narrow tubes as they're more pleasant for the patient to have in, but they're less good for giving medicines. Most enteral tubes are measured in French units, so an 8 French tube, which is a common tube size, has a diameter of 8 French units. There's two important things about this. First, a French unit is a third of a millimetre. Secondly, this is the external diameter. So an 8 French tube has an external diameter of 2.666 whatever millimetres and an internal diameter of this minus the thickness of the walls. Take home message, enteral tubes are really narrow and easy to block. Powders that clump together in water are likely to clump together in the tube. Film coatings tend to hold bits of the tablet together. Thick liquids are really hard to push through the tube. Flushing the tube is really important. Bits of powder left in the tube can, when they dry out, form a really good plug to block the tube. And if you block a tube, it's not great. If you get loads of these sorts of questions, it's useful to have a spare NG tube and just give things a go when it's not in a patient. It's a rare product that you physically can't get through a tube, but some do take a lot more effort and flushing than others. Crush well, flush well tends to be the motto. So now, really finally, how do we go about pulling together an answer? Do you give the medicines via the enteral tube or not? Think about what you've covered before. First off, is there an answer already? There's the reference sources we mentioned earlier and you could ask the manufacturers, but be cautious about taking their answer at face value. If they're saying no, is that because they know there's a problem or because they don't know and don't want to be sued if something goes wrong? If it's the latter, you need to go to first principles and think about the individual scenario. What are the chances that giving something via the tube will be different to giving the same thing orally? So think about the properties of the drug, what the potential harm to the operator might be, and the likelihood of blocking the tube. If there is the chance of a difference, is that difference likely to be meaningful? So think about the therapeutic window. If the drug didn't work, would you notice so that you could fix it, or would the first sign be a PE? If you need to, what can you put in place to safety net your advice? What monitoring should they do? And make sure this is proportionate and practical. Then, what practical advice can you give to make it easier for the person giving the medicines to do the right thing? Remember, crush well, flush well will fix most things. And the last important one 
If you're going to say no, what alternative are you going to offer? Because although saying, oh, I don't know, you'd best not do it, is the lowest risk option for us, it's often not the lowest risk option for the patient and they may come up with a really inventive solution instead that you'd really prefer them not to do. It's obviously important to be right, but it's also important to be pragmatic. And that's it. I hope you found something useful in here and see you next time. Bye.